because so many times we don't think about how people perceive us. Are you selfish? Do you talk too much and don't actually know how to have a conversation that goes back and forth? Are you actually not talking enough? Do you not understand how to ask people good questions? Do you get scared when you meet other people? Do you process things a little bit slower and you need to just kind of think about stuff before you respond and you don't know how to convey that to others? So many times we lack the ability to reflect on how other people are experiencing us. Hence, we put barriers between us and potentially meaningful friendships and romantic ones. How do people experience you? Reflect on that. Hey, welcome to Night Church, the Friday evening service of Praxis, the young adult ministry of the Loma Linda University Church. You're going to be hearing some great sermons, testimonies on this podcast that are going to encourage and deepen your faith. We are so excited that you're here, and I hope you enjoy this sermon, and so much so that you share it with someone that you love. Welcome. Thank you, Josh and Jackie. That was beautiful. So right now I want to, how many of you guys have um, found a community in this last year, year and a half, or have people that are your go-to? I think all of us have at least one person, one or two people. So I think that's something that in this past year for me, um, I, I got the opportunity to build community, not just here at, at Praxis, but with the pandemic. And I wasn't able to go home. I mean, home's not far, it's Riverside, but because of my job and for safety reasons and because my grandparents are at home, I couldn't go home and see my family for months um, because just of the high risk. And um, it got pretty lonely. And I am very happy and blessed to say that um, we kind of built our own little family um, that got through quarantine, that got through the pandemic together. Um, and I'm very blessed with that group. Um, my community also consists of my family and the relationships that I have with them. My parents, who are literally my ride or die. Um, and so relationships is one of the things that is one of the biggest blessings I've realized that we get to have, that God's gifted us with but it is also one of the most challenging things in life, right? Because even the person that you love the most, there will be a day when you're like, I just need to pray a little extra harder for you today because I love you, but I'm gonna take five. I'll be back. <laughs> and, um, and that's normal, that's life, right? But um, maybe there's somebody in your life too, or maybe there's a relationship or, something that happened that maybe you are at odds with somebody or had to walk away and haven't been able to mend a relationship. And I think for me, that's one of the hardest things to have to go through. Um, and so right now, we I'm going to give you guys a few seconds to just take time to think about if there is a relationship that maybe um, maybe had to, maybe ended or a friendship that um, went separate ways, or maybe there's a family member that you haven't spoken with, and just take time to pray over that and um, and ask God maybe if there is an opportunity for that healing. Um, and that healing can look like something different. It doesn't necessarily be necessarily mean that you're gonna go talk to them tomorrow. Maybe that's healing that you have to have within yourself. So go ahead and take a few minutes and then, or a few seconds, and then we'll close the prayer. Hey, Happy New Year! Come on, friends, it's New Year's Day! This is awesome! And we're here together, so I'm even more excited. If you're brand new to this place, my name is Pastor Phil. I'm on your team. I'm the young adult pastor here at the University Church. I'm so thrilled that you're here. If it's not your first time, you've known me already all of your life, well then, 
hey, we're buds. I also want to tell you I am so excited for today, especially to share this message with you. I love being able to share the last message that launches us into the next year. I think it is so powerful when we get to the end of the year to reflect on what has happened, but also when you look forward on what's to come. And so right now, I am so thrilled to be in this moment to be able to share this. I almost like don't want anyone else to preach when we get to the end of the year. I just, I love this moment. Um, I love it for a few reasons. Number one is that I really like thinking about new goals. I love thinking about new processes of going throughout life and thinking, how can I do this better? How can I be more effective? I also really like it because I really fail at goals all the time. And so it's like, ah, it's a good moment to start over. I don't know if anyone can relate. Okay, all right. The few friends I have here tonight, good, good. But I also really like doing this because this is a natural moment collectively, literally as a world, when people ponder what might be and what was. It's a natural moment because one year we say goodbye to and literally in a couple hours we say hello to another one. And so right now, I want to share with you a few things that I consider to be life-changing habits. When I was a young kid, my mom gave me this book called Seven Habits of Highly Successful Teens. I don't know if anyone knows that one, huh? Stephen Covey? Any any Stephen Covey fans in here? Okay, that's, that's too old. All right, all right. You guys know different people. You know Atomic Habits by James Clear? Okay, wow, who am I with here? My goodness. Anyway, Stephen Covey, when I was growing up, was a big deal. His most famous book, Seven Habits of Highly Successful People. Well, I wasn't, you know, at that adult stage yet, so my mom said, let me give you the teen book, okay? So that was written by his son, Sean Covey. And so when I got to graduate to reading Stephen's book, his dad, I was stoked. And so I read that book and I devoured it because I wanted to know how I could be as successful of a human being as possible. I wanted to learn how could I motivate people to do things that maybe they don't always want to do. I wanted to learn how I could be motivated to do the things that I don't want to do. And I wanted to learn how to work with people more effectively. I just really enjoyed relationships with other human beings. It's kind of one of the things I really enjoy about My personality, I don't care who you are, I want to get to know you, at least for a moment. And then I move on to the next person, which is the other weird thing about my personality. I love to just keep it going, you know? But that was the cool thing about reading that book. And so when I think about the title I gave to this sermon, I was like, Seven Habits of Highly Successful Christians. That's what I'll call it. And I was like, dude, that sounds so judgmental, like... They're not such successful Christians, and then there are more successful Christians. So I just entitled it, Habits That Will Change Your Life. And so we'll leave it at that. I want to bless you right now and pray over you as we jump into the Word and into these amazing seven habits that I genuinely believe can change your life. Jesus, speak into this moment that we have right now. Father, I thank you for my friends. I thank you for who they are. But Lord, I also thank you that you've been good to us this last year. Jesus, so much uh, that many would call horrendous happened. But Father, we also look back and we say, Jesus, you were there. As Daniel and his friends were in a fire, you were there. As Ruth wondered, would she have any way of provision, you were there. When Esther looked before her people and said they're going to be killed, you were there. But God, you were also in 2020 and 2021, and you were there. And so, Father, we want to tell you thank you. And now, Lord, as we look to what is to come, potentially with uncertainty and fear and just not knowing what is, God, we ask that you would develop us into the humans and believers especially that we need to be. And so, Father, I pray that you would speak into my brothers and sisters right now who are here in this place and those who might hear this later on. 
God bless them. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, it's a tough thing to get a message from your doctor that says your high blood pressure is like really out of the roof. It's tough when they say, dude, your dad doesn't have a lot longer to live. Ooh, the cancer, it's come back. That car accident, it took out both of his legs. Dang, that test came back and that was his last straw. He's failed. There's no more money in the bank. You've overdrawn. Those are moments and times when change is forced on you. There's nothing you can do. What's happened has happened, and now you just have to act. When you get forced with change, a few things happen. Number one, you can just fall into complete despair and cry up in your pool of tears, or you could get into the place where you're just scared and uncertain of what's to come, or you might step into this space with openness and possibility, and potentially through your fear, make it to the better side of change. I want to encourage you not to wait till change is forced on you. I want to encourage you tonight to take change by your own hands and say, God, I'm going to do this before I'm forced to change. Until you actually decide for yourself that you want to change in life, you just won't do it. Most of us are natural procrastinators. Can we just be honest? Like if you've got two weeks to do something, most human beings, unless you're that weird 2%, you're like waiting till a couple hours before, maybe a day before you might call someone, hey, we got to do this one thing, like, you know. So today, I want you to look at this with me. First habit of successful people. You ready for this? The number one habit that I think will set the tone for everything else in your life. Meditate on God's word. You know, they say that through the pandemic, most Christians actually started to read their Bible less. Isn't that weird? We have more time, we're at home, we're not in class or the car, and you're reading your Bible less. And they said it was because people were around each other too much. And you didn't have that space and distance to process and think. But I want to tell you that meditating on God's word is so powerful because what it does, it literally changes the mind. People who meditate daily and even weekly, scientists have actually studied the outcomes of their ways of processing life, their positivity, and their ability to cope with stress, and it's out of the roof compared to those who do not meditate. Now, I want to encourage you in this way, though. It's not just meditation on anything good. It's about meditating on the Word of God. Tonight, I want to bring up a friend of mine to do something for us that some of you are like, I've never heard that before. So I'm going to take this mic. You're going to hear a friend of mine, John Paul, he's going to canter for us. It's a Hebrew practice that's done in many synagogues. And so John Paul, come up forward. He's going to actually canter for us our text for tonight in Proverbs chapter 4. And so... You're going to get to hear the blessing of the Word of God in the actual original. Thank you very much, sir. Um, and uh, All throughout the Bible, God talks about uh, crying out to him. But the word cry, ikra, it's, a very, it's more musical. It's different from the word omer, which is more of a speaking type of cry. And so we believe that when God revealed his word to people, it was melodious through song. And thus, uh, whenever we read scripture, it's through a very ancient type of chanting. I'd like to invite you to Proverbs 4, verse 20, where we'll find our scripture today. Uh, the book opens by saying, Alma <clears throat> Shimrehem batoch levevecha. 
כי חיים הם למוציאיהם, וכל בשירו מפרפר. וזאת שבתם הרחקה ממנה עיניך לנוחה יבטו ואפתך יישרו נגדך פלסל מגל רגליך וכל דבריך יקלנו אל תמימין ושמואל חסור רגלך מאריה. וואוווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווו
And so we'd love to journey in the scriptures with you in that way. The first habit that sets you apart from the world of other believers is that you would actually meditate on the word. That is a big deal. The scriptures call out to us in Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 20. It says, my son, meditate. My daughter, meditate on my word. Let it form you and transform you. You know, for a long time, I never would actually read the Bible. And I was a pastor's kid. My dad would look at me as I was going down the stairs and he'd say, Philip, have you read your Bible? Then I'm going to make a confession. I sometimes would lie. I'd say, yeah, dad, I did. I actually did. I, I, I read. He's like, uh, he knew my little uh, funny smirk when I would not be telling the truth. And he'd say, Philip, I don't know about that. But it didn't actually come into my life that I had a desire to read the word until it was much older. The truth is, you're adults today. You don't need your parents telling you. You don't need your pastor telling you to read the word. And you don't need to be guilt-tripped into it. I want to encourage you to begin with this habit because I believe that when you allow the scriptures to sit in your heart and mind, then the Holy Spirit has ammunition, you could say, has potential to remind you, to be with you and guide you through the word in your moments of distress, hardship, and struggle. Without the word being in your heart, it's difficult for the Holy Spirit to speak in that space. Habit number two, make decisions which a few, with a future mindset instead of seeking momentary comfort decisions. You know, your wisdom has gotten you this far in life. Your decisions have gotten you this far in life. But imagine if you were to reach your God-given potential when you applied the teachings of Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge Him and He will direct your paths. You see, the thing is, when you consider the next step of your life, don't consider it simply just, well, this is the best thing for me right now. Consider it with your entirety of your life in mind. So if you're thinking about, if you're thinking about dating someone, and you're like, hey, this is a really beautiful person, but they don't actually have the qualities of someone I think would be my future husband. Don't go out with them. Don't waste your time. I have too many heartbreak moments with people in my office. I don't know what I was doing. I don't know what I was thinking. And I'm like, yeah, what were you thinking? You knew from the beginning this was not the person for you. Why were you even investing your time there? Loneliness. Everyone else is dating. I don't have anyone. You're excited about marriage because you're getting closer to your 30s or you're beyond that. All foolish thinking. When you want to think about your future life image, you want to start planting the seeds of that now. Don't waste your time with foolishness because it's more comfortable in the moment. If you know you can't make the car payment, don't go to the dealer and sign the contract. How many times have I heard of young adults, dude, I don't know what I was doing, getting the Mustang with the premium leather seats, everything going, the whole thing comes down, it was like 20 extra thousand. I'm like, yeah, what were you thinking? You should have listened to Dave Ramsey and paid for cash for a car that was like a putzer, 30 years old, that you could afford. Oh, bro, I couldn't be seen with that kind of a car. Hey, as Dave Ramsey says, live like no one else now so that you can live like no one else later. But most of us like the momentary comforts. I remember I was dating a girl and I realized she was not going to be my wife. She was not going to be my wife. From the first Thing that came out of her mouth after she had broken up with her previous boyfriend, it was like this strange tempstress coming at me, and I'm, I have nothing I'm trying to portray here, 
But it was literally the words coming out of her mouth. I can't wait till I seduce you. I was like, oh my gosh. But I was like, oh my gosh. I knew from that moment this was not the right person. I knew I had no business dating that person. But the better comfort judgment came about Philip's thinking and I went in that relationship only to break up six months later. Now you see the thing is it's easy to look back on our past like why did I do that? Why did I do that? But I want to tell you don't let your future continue in that pattern. You will miss too many amazing opportunities along the way when people look at your track record. How many good people have passed you by potentially to marry you, to jump into a relationship with you? Because like, dude, this person is foolish. This person doesn't have judgment. How many employers will look at your track record on your CV and be like, why were they there just so many times for two months, three months? There's something not right with this person. Why would someone potentially... Wanting to jump into a business deal, look at you and say, have you had any experience? Yeah, I did. I tried a couple things. It didn't work out. Yeah, I'm not going to be partnering with you. Think about future mindset. This is the words of my brother Jesus looking to his disciples and he says, a man doesn't build unless he considers if he can build the house. You don't want to jump into something unless you understand the vision for the whole thing. Now, sometimes fear will paralyze you and you're like, well, I can't even step into anything then. That's not what I'm saying. But think about the end in mind in the beginning. Number three, habit that is going to change your life. Do the right things on time. Proverbs 3.27, don't withhold good from those when it's due. I can't tell you how many times as an adult now who has to pay many bills, I've thought, man, maybe I'll just put off paying this one. And then I realize, ah, there's that credit score thing. And like if I want to buy anything else in the future, I better pay this on time. And so I pay my bills on time. When you are scared and don't feel like it, do the right thing at the right time. I've talked with several guys who got so scared of proposing to this girl because they just weren't sure. They didn't know. They were scared about everything that they did in the past, and then they break up. And then all of a sudden, after they've thought about it, they're like, I made a mistake. What did I do? I could have been married now. And it's like, bro, she's already been proposed to by someone else. She's getting married. It's too late. Oh. Or when you know that you have to study for an exam, and you're like, ah, but I could play roadblocks. <laughs> if you're 12, you might be playing roadblocks. Some others of you are like, I could be going to the gym. I could be hanging out with my girls. We could be doing stuff. And you don't study at the time you should. Instead, you put it off. Or potentially you're like, dude, I really need to get a car. But my friends are going on vacation. Everyone's going to Hawaii. It's going to be nice. Just spend the money you got in your savings. You'll be fine. And you spend that. And then you go on another trip. And then you don't have money for the car. And then what ends up happening? You're single and not married. You don't have a job because you didn't study. And you got to go to your parents' house and you have to bum an Uber because you don't have a car. It's bad. It's bad. It's bad. You chose to not do the right thing on time. On time. It's easy to say, hey, don't procrastinate. It's much harder to actually not procrastinate. And so Ruth Sukup in her book, Do It Scared, outlines the fact that you have to move forward in life with one simple step at a time, even when you're scared, and even when you don't want to do it. Habit number four I want to encourage you to do is reflect on your life regularly. 
Reflect in your life regularly. One of my good friends and, and a mentor of mine, Ben Lundquist, on his podcast, Rise and Lead, outlined five questions that everyone should be pondering right now as the new year is coming. And he also gave us five different lists to consider. Here are his five questions that he thinks you need to do in order to reflect on your life. What is going right? What is going right? Celebrate the good and maximize on that. Then he says, what is going wrong? What is holding you back? Who are the people holding you back? What are the actions you've taken that held you back from reaching the potential you needed to? Number three question is, what is missing? Figuring out what is missing in your life and add it to your life. Fourthly, what is confusing? Are you unsure of the next steps and vision for your life? He then speaks out this idea, go find some mentors. Read extensively. Find people in your life that will inspire you to think about what you need in your life. Next, he says, what do you need to do in the next 90 days? I want you to consider right now these five questions. Take a moment to do that. What went well? What went wrong? What was missing? What's confusing? And what do you need to do in the next 90 days? I'm going to give you a minute to just ponder these for a moment about your life. What went well? What went wrong? What's missing? What's confusing? And what do you need to do in the next 90 days? Do that right now. Reflecting on our personal life is so important. But the other thing that's really important is reflecting on who you are and how people view you. This is written by Solomon in the book of Lamentations. And he says, let us examine our ways and test them. And then let's return to the Lord. You know, a lot of people sometimes don't understand, why don't I have the more meaningful relationships in my life? Why don't people seem to enjoy always conversing with me? Or why do they kind of leave so quickly after we begin talking? Or why is it that I struggle in this with my mom and dad in this relationship? Why do I struggle in conflict? Why do I? It's because so many times we don't think about how people perceive us. Are you selfish? Do you talk too much and don't actually know how to have a conversation that goes back and forth? Are you actually not talking enough? Do you not understand how to ask people good questions? Do you get scared when you meet other people? Do you process things a little bit slower and you need to just kind of think about stuff before you respond and you don't know how to convey that to others? So many times we lack the ability to reflect on how other people are experiencing us. Hence, we put barriers between us and potentially meaningful friendships and romantic ones. How do people experience you? Reflect on that. But he also gave us five different lists to consider in this next year. Make a list of the people that you love. Number one. Number two, make a list everything you're grateful for in this last year. Number three, make a list of the lessons that you learned this last year. Number four, make a list of what you're looking forward to in this next year. And number five, make a list of your top three goals in this next year that when you look back on the verge of 2023, You'll say, man, I am so happy I accomplished these three things. Reflecting and pondering, so important for the highly successful believer. Number five, habit. Actually follow Jesus. It's one thing to wear a cross. It's another thing to actually follow the one who died on the cross and looks at him 
and you and me and everyone and says, follow me. Deny yourself and pick up your cross. It's one thing to say you're a Christian and to actually serve the Christ whom the name Christian comes with. Most people like to call themselves Christians, but so few of us actually don't enjoy always acting like Christians, thinking like Christians. Now, some of you are like, dude, where's the grace? Where's the love? Where, why are you being so judgmental up there, bro? Because Jesus looks at every one of us and he looked at his disciples and he said, come, follow me. Deny yourself and pick up your cross. When he looked at us, he said those words because he meant them. It means when you're going to actually follow Christ, there is an expectation on you and me. There's an expectation that your life would mirror the one you're following. Now, most people, when they think about their life as a believer, they're not thinking like, dude, I want to be the worst Christian possible. I never want to ever think of being like a disciple. I don't want to look like Jesus. I just want to kind of pass and just get through. If you're a Christian, you follow Jesus because you love him, and you follow Jesus because you want heart conversion. The problem is for most of us, we're like Paul. Paul said, dude, I do the things I don't want to do, and I can't seem to do the things I should. And we begin to have an image issue. Our identity is stuck in our past. Romans chapter 5, verse 8 said, though, Christ died for us while we were yet still in sin. And so the thing is, Jesus died for you in your worst state. And Philippians 1.6 says, He who began a good work in you will complete it. And so between that worst state and the beautiful completion, there's you and me somewhere in between. And there is this trajectory of actually following Jesus that will bring you more in line with who he wants you to be. I remember when I was 20 years old, I was about to get kind of introduced to this girl that a friend of mine wanted to introduce me to, ended up being my future wife, okay? You know, you know. But it was in that season when I was 19 and 20 that I was going through just some issues. I was struggling with certain sins in my life. I was just dealing with a lot of insecurity about things. And and I didn't know about this whole Adventism business and Christianity, and I was just like, what in the world? But it was in that space that I made a commitment. I made this commitment. I remember it to this very day. If I'm going to figure out this whole Jesus following thing, then I'm going to actually start reading about what you did, who you were, what you said, and why that even matters. And when I made that commitment, I kid you not, everything changed. When I was 19 years old, I actually became a Christian. And I had grown up all my life as a pastor's kid. So do the math there. Who was I before 19 then? I was a Pharisee. I was one who called themselves a believer but didn't have anything to do with or know who I was believing in. I didn't actually have a heart conversion in my life. Friend, I don't know if that's you tonight, potentially. Are you the one who others look to and say, wow, they look like they've got it all going on. And yet if someone plumbed the depths of your soul and heart right now, they'd see that really there's not much heart conversion going on in this season in your life. The thing is, Jesus promises, and he says, I died for you while you were a sinner, and I'm excited for who you're going to become. And so in the midst of that, then, comes habit number six. Get serious about the grace of God. Because he wants to take you wherever you're at right now, and he wants to bless you. 
The grace of Jesus is for you, not against you. The Bible says that the light came into the world and the darkness could not prevail. And so when you have an openness to the light of God in your life, darkness cannot prevail. Some of you are looking at me and you're like, dude, it's, 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 it's 1030 right now. It's getting late. I'm sleepy. But for some of you, you're like, I can't wait to go do that one thing. See that one person. I know what happens after night church many times on Friday nights. I hear the stories. <laughs> I didn't go there. I didn't see those people or do those things, but I hear it. But for some of us, it's time to now begin the process of bending the knee to Christ. Letting the grace of Jesus seep deeply into your soul that it would not just be for a momentary change, but for a lifetime. That when people look to you and look at you, they see a person, a woman, a man who has been changed. Because you got serious about the grace of God. Dietrich Bonhoeffer writes this one poignant sentence. When Christ calls a person, he calls them to come and die. When the grace of God comes into your life and you accept this journey of following Jesus, it transforms that which you thought was the most exciting thing. But now when Jesus comes in, you realize, what was I doing with that? That was death. And that's exactly what Christ does. He allows the things in us that seemed so exciting before and he allows them to die. Some of you have been recovering addicts for a while. Whether it was drugs or alcohol or sex or pornography or addiction to sugar and eating issues and study issues and other kinds of things, you've received the power of God. 1 Timothy 1.7, we have not received a spirit of timidity, but of power, love, and self-control. When the grace of God comes into us, it transforms that which is broken, and it gives us the power to overcome. Friends, I'm excited for what God is going to do in your life when you genuinely get serious about his grace. And the last habit I'll leave with you is be generous with forgiveness. God has been generous with you. You know, it's painful, it's soul-crushing, it's just sickening when people that we trust and others around us shatter our trust and life by their choices to hurt us. It is painful. Some of you haven't been around the block enough to know that pain of someone backstabbing you or a person that you trusted with everything, takes advantage of you. I unfortunately sit in my office and I see the tears in people's faces. He was a leader and I trusted him. I, I don't know what happened. Here we were one moment and then he was forcing himself on me. Here, there's this moment, I trusted my friend, they knew everything about me, and then I find out they told everyone what happened. How can I believe them again? Or the countless times I've been in a room, and a spouse looks at me, they've been cheating on me for years. I had no idea. How will I ever trust anyone again? Dick Tibbetts writes in his book, Forgive to Live, a scientific study on the power of forgiveness on our psyche, our soul, and just our entire life. It's a phenomenal work. He writes that people who understand the power of forgiveness unlock within them the ability to change their life forever, so much so they live longer because bitterness 
anger, resentment, just fuels what? Depression, heartache, bitterness. It feeds within us this desire sometimes for the most vile and evil things. Start thinking of the most horrific horror movie, and that's what you'd want to do to some of these people. Because what they did to you was a horror movie. But the power comes when you understand that Romans chapter 5, verse 8 is also about you. You were the one who was in sin, whom I forgave. You were also the one who was the perpetrator of evil upon others. And you also, maybe if you haven't yet, will do things you will regret later in your life and wonder, is there grace for you? The Father says there is, with a condition. And this is the challenging thing. Because here in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 15, he writes this, If you do not forgive others their sins, your Father in heaven will not forgive you yours. Oof. Now, there's a lot of confusion on what forgiveness is and what it isn't. And the process of healing and how you deal with that with people. And I'm not going to get into the nuances of it. But I will tell you this. To forgive people doesn't mean to condone what they did. To forgive people doesn't mean to admit that there was no wrong. To forgive people does not mean they will be in your life like they were once before. Forgiveness is simply the act of loosening the chains of anger and allowing the possibility of love to emerge again, trust to emerge again, though at a distance and though never around you again. And you may not ever even see them, nor will they potentially sometimes be even alive. Forgiveness looks like you simply Taking the sigh, saying, I give up the hatred. I give it up. If you want to find success in this life as a believer, if you are harboring anger and bitterness, it won't work. A friend of mine hates his dad, absolutely hates his dad, hasn't talked to him in almost 10 years. His dad cheated on his mom. He doesn't want to have anything to do with this guy. What an entirely selfish, inhumane thing to cheat on mom who loves us, you, and everybody. What is your deal? Are you an idiot? And his father tried and pleaded, and please forgive me, I'm so sorry. Nope, don't want you in my life. And this guy was a ministry leader. He taught others, and yet he couldn't accept it and live into it himself. Friends, these seven are not easy. You see, it's one thing to seek wisdom. It's another thing to actually play it out in your life. It's actually more so like this. You can seek knowledge, which are good facts and things, but it turns into wisdom only when you apply them. Jesus says, all who are seeking wisdom, ask, and it will be given unto you liberally. And so tonight, my prayer for you is that these seven would be a powerhouse in your life this next year. Number one, that you would meditate on the word of God. Number two, that you would make decisions with a future mindset instead of seeking momentary comfort decisions. Number three, that you would do the right things on time. Four, that you would reflect on your life regularly. Number five, that you would actually follow Jesus. Number six, that you would get serious about changing your life. Number seven, that you would be generous with forgiveness as God has been generous with his forgiveness for you. This next year, I just at least want you to choose one of these. 
And if you could choose one that I believe would unlock everything else for you, it's the first one. If you could meditate on the Word of God as you've never meditated on it before, it will change your life forever. As the band is going to be playing this last song here, I'm going to put up those books, those journal scripture books. They outline the whole Bible reading plan. They have space for you to write your prayers, a space for you to talk about things with God through the scriptures. And then I'm also going to put up here actual just journey through the Bible for a whole year, just pamphlet. If you're like, I don't want to do the journaling, but at least, Pastor, let me consider this reading plan. I'm going to put both of those up here on the stage. And as the band sings and plays this song, I want to encourage you. Take the step forward to step out of your seats and take one of these. Make a commitment to grow deep in Scripture this year, meditating on Him and who He is. Hey, thank you so much for joining us for the Night Church Podcast. We really are excited for where we're going, and you can help us in that mission. There's a few things that you can do. Number one is just stay connected. So if you want to follow up what's going on in the young adult ministry here at Loma Linda University Church, follow us on Instagram at Praxis Ministry. And then the other way to really build from this is to financially contribute. Your donations make such a big impact. And so if you go to lluc.org slash give, you can connect with Praxis Ministry there on a one-time gift or a reoccurring commitment. It makes such a difference. Well, we love you, care for you, and may God bless you richly as you take theory and make it into practice.